drop and give me 25. I'm the gunny. It's it's time for the gunny. The quarter deck. Lights, lights, lights. Get online right now. You got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hello, my bunch of knuckle-dragging, beer-drinking, hard-charging devil dogs. You're listening to The Quarter Deck. I am your host, Miguel, The Gunny Signs. Get off the bus! I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will support you. The Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You're listening to The Quarter Deck, and I am your host, Miguel, The Gunny Signs. Thank you guys for joining us this week on another episode here on The Quarter Deck. And this week, we will continue our discussion regarding VA benefits and some of the things that are out there that we, as veterans, but not only veterans, but as service members, we can take advantage of these benefits to make sure that we get all the assistance and help that we need once we are out of the service. We're going to go ahead and continue on with the next reading of our book, No Better Friend, No Worst Enemy. Now, if you guys tuned in last week, you guys know that we're moving on and we're progressing as the 1st Marine Division is moving along in the preparations for the liberation of the people in Iraq in 2003. Okay, so I want to just give everybody an update on our 30-mile challenge that Gunny and I started on the 1st of September in support of the Stop Soldier Suicide because as you guys know, it is a very, very touchy subject and we know that the numbers have increased throughout the years when we start talking about uh, service members, veterans uh, committing suicide just because there are so many issues that are going on that they may feel that there is no other way out of it or there is no other support that they may have and how it is important that they understand that there is help out there, not only through the VA, but there's all kinds of other types of organizations. If you did not uh, get a chance to listen to last week's podcast, when we started talking about the actual suicide situation and stuff like that, a little bit of history back from uh, about suicide and all that stuff, go back to our beginning of September podcast and take a listen and look at the numbers that we talked and we discussed about because it is very important. But as far as our challenge goes, Gunny and I completed our 30 miles on September 11th. Wow. What a great day for us to actually finish that because our ultimate goal was to complete our 30 miles on September 11th, just because that is such an important date. And we wanted to make sure that we were done with our 30 miles. So we have completed it. And for those of you that are just now tuning into our podcast, remember and understand that Gunny is a English bulldog. Yes, that is correct. He is an English Bulldog, and as many people know, English Bulldogs are stubborn. (laughs) Go figure, right? Typical Marine. They're stubborn, and sometimes they do not like to go out there and do exercise or anything. The great thing about Gunny is that ever since he came home with us, and he is now here with us, since he was, I want to say he's about five months old, four or five months old around there, I've always taken him on walks. And we started walking shortly, you know, maybe a block, two blocks. And then we made it a mile. And uh, he got used to the distance of walking and stuff. And now we're actually walking up to three miles every morning to, uh, you know, just get some exercise in. Because as a disabled veteran, and, you know, if you guys want to know more about that, 
go back a couple of weeks to the episodes that we've been talking about disability and all those things and stuff, but it can be hard as a disabled veteran to actually get up and want to go out there and do any kind of physical activity just because of the pain, just because of the pain and stuff. And it can be difficult to get up and actually do those things every single morning. And that's one of the main reasons and the, I think the biggest reason that like my wife was telling me is that now I'm dealing with uh, my back issues and that's an issue that's been going on for about 15 years now since I was still in active duty service. But now it has uh, started to get worse. And that's like one of the main things that I tell all the service members and the veterans is that when you get out of the service and you don't document these things and you don't document the injuries that you had, when you are on active duty later on, they're going to get worse. They're not going to get any better. Uh, hello, you know, and that's what's going on with me. Luckily, all those things were documented when I got out of the service. And now, you know, I always try to help individuals and explain to them exactly what they need to do in order to get these done. But that's just our update on our 30 mile challenge. So now we are complete. I think uh, I checked this morning. I am $30 away from our fundraiser that we set aside for a $200 uh, fundraiser to get $200 by the end of the month of September and complete our 30 miles. So we are now going to continue to do our miles and see if we can get any more donations towards the Stop Soldier Suicide. I think now um, this morning we only did about 1.23 miles. So we're up to about 34 miles for the month of September. So everybody wish us luck so we can go in and continue to keep going and let's see how many miles we actually complete in the month of September. The quarter deck. Getting back to our discussion with the VA benefits, we've already talked about disability compensation, the process in applying for a disability claim and so forth and everything else. So you have an understanding of that. For those of you that have not been following along uh, the last past couple of weeks, when we've been talking about all these different VA benefits, Go back a couple of episodes back starting in the middle of August so you can actually get on track and start following the whole entire process of not only VA disability, but we've also already talked about the whole education program. We talked about those things and how to apply for your education benefits, but not only for you as a veteran, but if you have a disability with disability compensation, your dependents, your spouse, your children could also possibly qualify for additional education benefits because of your disabilities. Now, when we are talking about disability compensation, last week we covered the process, the paperwork and so forth and everything else. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what you can actually do to show individuals that you do have a disability. Not only about what we talked about the other day when we talked about VAID cards, but now a lot of places, employers or the DMV and so forth, for any of the state benefits that are out there, they're going to require you to submit them a VA benefits letter that tells them exactly what your, your benefits are regarding the VA. Now, these letters can have a lot of information on them. And again, remember that in order for you to get your letters, you have to go to our go-to website. Think about it for a second. Let's see if you can remember what it is. And remember, it is va.gov. That is the website that you need to remember. If you do not remember anything at all that we have talked about the last past couple of weeks, 
va.gov is the only thing that you need to remember because that is the website that you're going to be able to go to to get any answers to any questions regarding VA disability or any one of the VA benefits that we have been discussing for the last past couple of weeks. So we want to make sure that you remember that you have access to those things. You have access to those because that is where you're going to be allowed to go and get all the information that we have been talking about for the last past couple of weeks. But remember that you can go there and remember when you go to va.gov, there's different ways for you to be able to sign in and actually have access to all the features that are there. Now, for me, one of the most secure ways that they have now and they just went to is actually using the IDMe. Uh, IDMe allows you to be able to have access to government websites that you are able to sign into. Now, a lot of you that were in the service know what IDMe is because you were able to get that when you were in active duty service and you can actually access a lot of different discounts out in the civilian world with, uh, with that site. Those of you that live near San Diego or even out there in the East Coast in SeaWorld, you know that they, you're able to access um, free tickets every single year for up to four dependents through that website. And so it, you know, it works great for you to be able to use that site through IDME to be able to get access to those things. But now, a couple years ago, VA actually implemented now that they can use IDME to sign in to the VA.gov website. And again, it is very important because I use that all the time because I want to make sure that when I log into VA.gov that you, you're able to have access to the whole entire thing as well as when you're filling out any kind of forms, any kind of VA disability, stuff like that or anything, you want to make sure that you are able to go ahead and get that stuff and make sure that you are good because, you know, for me, it's important. It's important for you to be able to get access to all those different things. Now, when you're logged into VA.gov, as soon as you get to the main page, you're going to have those big four white blocks that we talked about the whole entire time. In the bottom right one where it says records, you're going to have a couple of different options there. And this is where, where we talked about last week about the VA ID cards. They have that section there. They have for you to get a copy of your medical records. But the one underneath that says download your benefits letters. That is the one that we, we're going to want to go to. So if you go ahead and click on that one, it's going to take you to another page where it's going to ask you, hey, to receive some benefits, veterans need a letter that, that provides their status. Okay, so this is where you can access and download your VA benefits summary letter, or it's, sometimes they call it the VA award letter, and other kinds of letters and documents that you may need in order to get those benefits out there in the civilian community and all those different things that are out there. So, you know, first thing you got to do is and decide, you know, what type of VA letter do I need? You know, what kind of things do I actually need and stuff and everything else? And how do I go about downloading this letter? Okay, you know, before you do any kind of letter or anything like that, you have to verify that all your information is correct. Your address, your phone number, all those things, because all those things are going to go ahead and get put into the letter that you are going to go ahead and print out from the VA. So you want to make sure that you go ahead and update that to make sure it's ready to go before you do any other stuff that is there for you to do. All right, so now on the very top of the page, it has a little green square. It's out there so you can actually see what you're reading. And it says, get your VA benefits letter. 
Once you click on that, it's going to ask, it's going to show you your address to make sure that it is correct. And it's going to say your, your mailing address, is it correct? Or it gives you the option to actually edit it. Okay. And then it's going to give you a little section where you can actually go and view the letters. Once you click view, it's going to take you to another screen. Now, step two of two. And what it says on there, it says to see an explanation about each letter, click on each section to expand the box. And it's going to give you an idea to see exactly what's going to be included in that letter. Now we're going to go through this one by one to make sure that you have an understanding of what it is. The first one is a commissary letter. Now, what a commissary letter is, is this states on here. Okay. If you're a veteran with a hundred percent service connected disability rating, you get this letter. Take the letter, a copy of your DD-214 or other discharge papers that you may have and your DD-2765 to a local military ID pass office on any base. You might need to schedule an appointment, okay? And you will receive a retiree military ID card at the office for you to use, okay? Or a rapid appointment scheduler to schedule an appointment. The retiree military ID card is gonna give you access to the local base facilities, including the commissary and the exchange. So that's a great thing that it allows you to get that stuff and everything. And then you're able to download that letter. Okay. A proof of service card. This one is a card that shows that you have served honorably in the armed forces. And this card can be useful to prove the status to receive discounts at certain stores and restaurants. If you remember last week, we talked about the VA ID card and I talked about how you can actually go on va.gov and get a little paper ID that you're able to show the proof that you were in the service. This is what I was talking about. So that is where you have that location there, stuff and everything else. The next one is a proof of credible prescription drug coverage. Now with this letter, you're going to need proof that you qualify for Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage. So they're going to ask you for some evidence to show that you are um, receiving those things in order for you to print this letter. Okay. Proof of minimum essential coverage letter. This letter indicates that you as a veteran have the minimum essential coverage or MEC as they call it, as it, as is provided by the VA. The MEC means that the healthcare plan meets the health insurance requirement under the affordable care act. And this is to prove that you are enrolled in the VA healthcare system and that you must have our IRS form 1095 TAC Bravo, uh, from the VA that shows what months were covered under the healthcare system or whatever plan you may have. Now, if you do, if you've lost the IRS form, you have to call the 877-222-8387 number to get another one. So this is the one that you need every single year when you do your taxes to show proof that you have medical healthcare coverage so you don't get penalized for not having healthcare coverage, okay? The next one is the service verification letter. And with this one now, it shows your branch of service, the date that you started active duty and the date that you were discharged from active duty service. So it shows a little summary of when you were in the service. A civil service preference letter. This letter shows that you're a disabled veteran and that you qualify for preference for civil service jobs. So, you know, another letter, great letter you can have. The next one is the benefit summary and service verification letter. Now, this letter shows your service history, your VA benefits information, and you as a veteran can actually customize this letter for many different things. 
okay, including to apply for any kind of housing assistance, civil service jobs, state or local property, and car tax relief. So, you know, many veterans actually qualify for uh, taxes exemption on their property they own, their houses and stuff like that. So you're able to get those uh, things waived as well as your vehicle registration, because depending on your disabilities, your vehicle registration may qualify for a discount for you to get throughout your state. Now, so with this one, it asks you what you want to include. Do you want to include your military service information? And you can check that box, make sure you have that there. You can check, you can also include your monthly award, how much the VA is actually paying you every single month. If you need that, you can put that on there. Most of the time, they really don't ask for that. Okay, your combined service connection rating, what's your rating? Anywhere from zero to 100%. Whatever your rating is, you're, you're able to put that on there. Next one is, are you, are you are considered to be totally and permanently disabled solely due to your service-connected disabilities? So if you are permanently and totally disabled, you check that box, you, that, that can be including your letter as well. If you have more than one service-connected disabilities, you can put that on there as well. Or if you're receiving special monthly payments due to service-connected disabilities, all that can be included in your letter, however you want to print it out. So you can see there's a lot of different benefits or different benefits and different things that can be included in this summary letter that you can have. Okay, and that's probably by far one of the most important ones that you can get. The last one is the actual just benefits verification letter. Now with this one, it just simply shows the benefits that you receive from the VA. The, the letter, it also shows the benefit gross amount that you have that you're receiving every single month before anything is taken out and the net amount after deductions are taken out the benefit effective date and your disability rating. So it's kind of similar to the one that you have on top here, but you can actually, um, you know, customize the other one. You can customize the benefits uh, summary and service verification letter because you're able to add or, or take away the things that you don't want to be included on that stuff. So as we can see, there are different types of letters that you're able to get, but these are some of the most important things that you need to remember. Remember that you go to va.gov and you're able to customize that letter that you can use to your advantage. Take advantage of the letters. Use them to get the discounts at the DMV or some other state benefits that may be out there that you may be eligible for. And so as we can see, we can tie all this back to filling out the forms to apply for disability compensation. Because Disability compensation is the key to that opens up the door to so many of these other benefits that are out there that are only going to assist you as a veteran, but not just you. But if you have dependents, your dependents are going to benefit from these benefits as well. So just remember, VA.gov, you can go on there and get the letters to help you to prove your service and also to make you eligible for other different types of benefits that may be available and may be provided by your state. The quarter deck is brought to you by Miguel Science Photography. From the beginning of your family to the first birthday and beyond, whether it's a retirement or a Marine Corps ball, Miguel Science Photography is there to make memories that will last a lifetime. Miguel Science Photography is a certified veteran-owned business. Contact them at miguelsciencephotography.com. What we're going to do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. The 1st Marine Division has been moving along preparing everything and getting the division ready to go to its deployment to get down there to Kuwait in preparation of that liberation of the people in Iraq. Now, I can remember, you know, many years ago, we just celebrated the memory of what occurred on September 11th. 
And if anybody was like me, you have an understanding and you remember exactly where you were when that occurred. Now, as far as for me, during that time, I was still with Sierra Battery 5th Battalion, 11th Marines. And we were actually out doing one of the training exercises that we talked about here a couple of weeks ago out there in 29 Palms, California. We're out there doing some training that what they called a CACS back in those days. And, you know, we were continuing to prepare for those things regarding anything or any kind of event that might happen out in the Middle East, because we were always training for situations like that, just in case something should happen. And it just so happened that when we were out there, you know, me as a section chief of the Hauser section that I had back then, I always took a small little black and white TV that I took out there for our downtime to see if maybe by chance we're able to catch uh, a show or something that we as a section could sit down around that little five inch little black and white TV screen and maybe actually watch something. But that morning on September 11th, we were woken up in the morning saying that the United States had been attacked in New York City. And, you know, we were like, what? So we really didn't know exactly what was going on. But the whole entire training exercise came to a complete halt. There was no training. There was nothing going on. It was a complete dead silent time out there in 29 Palms. So I simply grabbed a little black and white TV and I had one of my Marines. I told him, hey, take this wire, try to put it on the very top of the, of the vehicle in the tallest pole that we have for our net and get the signal up there as best you can. And we attached that wire to the little rabbit area antennas that were on the TV. And we were able to get the news. And sure enough, they were showing uh, news on all the channels regarding the, what had happened down there in New York City that morning. We saw the tower on fire. It was uh, one of the towers that was on fire. And then as soon as we turned the TV to a different channel, we were, we were all sitting there, maybe about 20 or 30 Marines gathered around this little five-inch screen of the TV. and we saw a second plane flew around and hit the second tower. So we were able to see that and we continued to watch for the next, you know, I don't even know how long it was. Time just seemed to stop for us and we were watching and watching. And then we saw the people jumping out of the windows. We saw people flying through the air and they knew they weren't going to survive that fall, but they, decided and made the decision to just jump out the window because they didn't want to catch on fire. And then the towers collapsed. And we knew that all the training that we had done, all the training that we had been working on, was soon going to get put to a test. We were soon going to find out to make sure that all the training that we did was worth it, and we were preparing ourselves to actually head out of the country and head out and liberate the people of Iraq and meet those terrorists head-on that had decided to do what they did to our country. So if anybody out there is basically just like me, you have that memory of where you were, what you were exactly doing during that time. And that's what leads us to today is as the division continues to go ahead and prepare themselves to get ready to actually deploy out there into Kuwait in preparations of that deployment out there into uh, into Iraq in 2003. 
So let's talk about the, how the deployment of the forward command post and planning team got put into effect as they went out there and started preparing everything out there forward, getting ready to go into country. So on October 2nd of 2002, the division formed its forward CP to deploy to Kuwait. There had yet been no public decision to employ military force against Iraq. But by moving the forward headquarters and key planning staff into their theater early, the division would have a solid footing for participation in theater planning efforts. Identification of assembly areas and reconnaissance of aerial ports of debarkation, or APODs, as they called them. Surface ports of debarkation, SPODs, and other facilities that were going to be required. The efforts of the 4CP in the upcoming deployment of the entire division were critical to Blue Diamond's later success. A marked a transition of the division's preparations for combat. The initial phase of planning and preparation ended as the division began to make action to flow forces into theater and closely integrate planning efforts with the MEF and the CFLC. The arrival of the division's forward CP in the division's planning cell marked the beginning of the force flow phase of the operation. The U.S. administrative exhausting diplomatic options before exercising military force remained heavily engaged with the United Nations. Lacking approval and a clear deployment order for operations against the Iraqi regime in late November, there was understandably a great deal of uncertainty surrounding the force composition, timing, and objectives of potential combat operations. Having the division planners and small CP forward allowed the beginning of the integrated planning amongst the CFLCC, 1MEF, U.S. 3rd Infantry Division, 1st UK Armor Division, and the 1st Marine Division. Although the progress towards finalizing operational plans in the early days of the stage appeared slow, the networking and shared situational awareness among skateholders in the coming battle was invaluable. Ultimately, this added measurably to an in-depth understanding of the MEF commander's intent. Perhaps more importantly, the presence of Division Marines in Kuwait gave 1st Marine Division a leg up on the preparations for reception, staging, onward movement, and interrogation RSOI process that would bring over 20,000 Marines, sailors, and soldiers of the division into theater. There was a clear requirement to have the CGE present at these early stages of the planning process because it was clear that the majority of the planning would be done in theater by the MEF staff. Although no deployment order had been given, there had been an approval request for forces, or an RFF, that required Marine forces in Kuwait to participate in a series of exercises. Upon the division's careful review, the auspicious of the RFF TAC 164 implied division representation for the inral look and lucky warrior training exercise in Kuwait. The division chose to deploy a small forward CP and planning staff in support of the exercises. Riding on the coattails of the deploying MEF staff 
the first main body echelon of the 1st Marine Division forward CP arrived at Kuwait City International Airport on 18 November of 2002. They joined a smaller advance quarantine party who had been in country since early November. Lieutenant Colonel John Radmeadow led the 28 Marines and a Navy corpsman to their home for the next three months. A 70-man security force from 1st Battalion, 4th Marines, commanded by 2nd Lieutenant Andrew R. Jones, also deployed to Camp Commando to provide force protection for the 1MEF Command Group. These Marines provided force protection for the camp until the arrival of the battalion's main body on 24 February of 2003. Commando Camp located 35 kilometers northwest of Kuwait City in the foot of the Multah Ridge would be the home base for much of the planning of the operational Iraqi Freedom. Ironically, it was located within a few kilometers of the first Gulf's War Highway of Death that had marked the end of the Iraqi occupation into Kuwait. The lonely terrain evoked vivid images of the last time the division had fought the Iraqis, and there was a strong sense of a job unfinished that provided a daily focus to the warfighters now assembled. The MEF headquarters group was located at this camp. The garrison compound of the Commando Brigade of the Kuwaiti Land Forces, or the KLF, the camp still bore the scars of the Iraqi occupation, left unrepaired by the Kuwaitis as a reminder of the deeds past, in a gracious gesture of support that set the tone for future cooperation. The Kuwaitis made room for the United States Marines. The Marines of the Division 4 CP were assigned to one remote corner of the compound. Early efforts by Gunnery Sergeant Jason Topp of the advanced party had literally moved mountains of trash and sand in order to make a spot for the Division CP and billeting areas. First Lieutenant Richard Fisher, the forward camp commandant, had the Marines turn to on making this spot livable. And soon, the camp was complete with its own guardian angel post, sandbag bunkers, and living tents. A homemade gym, made with a combination of bricks, fence posts, and cast-off Air Force equipment, was quickly made operational. Assuming this position would be occupied for several months, the Marines made themselves at home. The Marines of the Division 4 CP were only a small group among the MEF, the MEG, and FFSG and supporting Marines also bivouacked in the camp. And a special camaraderie developed among the Marines who knew they were the lead element of the Blue Diamond Marines that would take the fight to the Iraqis. Even a special 21st century adaptation of the Bushido Code was adopted, with severe punishment for, for winning, whining of failing to display an aggressive warrior spirit. The decision to deploy the Division 4 CP for CENTCOM's annual rehearsal of the defense Kuwaiti against the Iraqi invasion would pay huge dividends. While the remainder of the division trained at home, stations, and prepared for forced deployment, the 4 CP's participation in Lucky Warrior, the internal look provided a foothold in MEF and CFLCC planning meetings where the division's operational planners would strongly advocate the ground combat perspective. 
advanced parties from all functional areas, including logisticians, communicators, and engineers seized opportunities to recondition aerial and seaports of debarkation routes and tactical assembly areas. The presence of the Division's 4 CP in Kuwait also provided a reach forward capability that brought the division one step closer to destroying the enemy, should the presidential call. The members of the staff in Kuwait sent a constant stream of information from planning meetings and site surveys, while responding to numerous specific requests for information from division units back in California. During one especially arduous task of TP FDD tracking, the forwards Corporal Justin Dublin was asked to contact the Division's Operations Center, the DOC, back at Camp Pendleton to answer some time-sensitive questions. He proceeded to establish a secure internet chat dialogue with Corporal Chad Reiner in the DOC at Camp Pendleton. Within minutes, questions and answers were being exchanged in real time by the two echelons of the division staff. The solution? A testament to the technology the division would bring to the fight. It's more remarkable because it was simply second nature to a new generation of Marines. Any who harbored doubts about the new breed of Marines were quickly educated. The Marines of this generation were made from the same stuff as those who had gone before. Trained killers who could set up an intercontinental data exchange without skipping a beat. So things are falling into place. We have a forward CP out there, and now things are starting to come together. Without a doubt, the new generation of Marines that had come into the Corps in the last past couple of years were so familiar with the technology and the way things work now that they use the same basic skills that they used every single day back at home to the division's advantage to get them into the technology that was available to the division today. From communications to be able to communicate from way over there on the other side of the world digitally over to another unit down there in Camp Pendleton. So it's truly amazing how technology plays a huge role in the preparation of the division. Next week, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit more about the intelligence planning that they used and how they were going to adapt to the way that the enemy was changing the big picture as how the division was going to handle the situation that was starting to develop in Iraq. The quarter deck. As we continue to move along in the month of September, last week, we remembered the tragedy that occurred on September 11th in 2001 as we remembered all those lives of the service members, the first responders, the civilians, of all the lives that were lost that day. As I mentioned earlier, we all have our own memories of what occurred on that day. And let's just not forget. Let's never forget what occurred on that day so that we continue to remember the legacy of all of those that were involved. And we pray to the families of all the survivors that they continue to make 
the best of every single day, even though we know that they cannot ever be the same because their loved ones are no longer there with them. And also to all the service members that we have lost since that day that continued to fight the war against terror that ultimately did not make it back home to their families. We pray to their families as well that they continue to stay strong and we will continue to keep their memory alive every single day. The division is coming along and preparing so much in our book, No Greater Friend and No Worst Enemy. Now, as we continue to move on every single week, we can see how everything is starting to get pieced together. So it's always a great thing to join us every week so we're able to actually get everything put into place so you understand exactly what the division went through. Now, as far as for me, I know what the division went through because I was there. And so many of you that join me here every single week were there as well. So join us next week as we get more and more into detail. And let's not forget about your VA letters that you're able to get. Take advantage of them. Remember, they're there for you. They're there to benefit you and your family to be able to get additional benefits, not only from the state and not only from the VA, but for you to take advantage of all those things. So until next week, this is Miguel, the Gunny Signs, sounding Liberty Call. Get off the bus! I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will support you. The Constitution of the United States. The Oh, my God.